You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, featuring exclusive audio from Catalyst, the official singles conference of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ Singles Ministry. Hey everybody, my clock says 10 o'clock in the next two minutes. I'm going to try to get us all seated, have the doors closed here in about a minute or two, because I, what I want to do is I want to try to quiet everybody's mind. Uh, this is a very important topic. I think everybody in this room would agree with that. Um, so here in a minute, I'm going to do a little exercise to quiet our minds um, so we can kind of absorb uh, this topic in a very deep way. Um, I'll just go ahead and introduce myself. Uh, my name is David McKee. I'm with the Orange County Church Christ. And um, Monica Martinez is also with the Orange County. And we're super glad to be here. Very, very honored and privileged to be up here speaking. Uh, uh, me for my life experience and as, as well as Monica. So um, obviously this is uh, about healing, uh, this, this course, this session during time of loss. Um, I think most of us in here, I won't speak for everyone, but it's likely what brought you to God as some sort of loss, significant loss in your life, and uh, you were looking for healing, and um, so I think this is going to open up some eyes. Maybe you've already heard of some of the things we're going to discuss, but I, it was new for me, so I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to be able to talk about it. So what I want to do, just again to kind of quiet our minds, um, is do a little uh, script. Uh, it's a guided imagery. So I'm going to ask you all to kind of sit, to get comfortable, kind of just relax, and um, even close your eyes if it helps. So let's begin. Take a deep breath, slow, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Keep breathing in and out, focusing on how your body feels at this moment. Feel the pace of your heart and lungs becoming slower. With each breath, breathe in, relaxation, and breathe out, tension and tiredness. Feel your body sinking more and more into deep relaxation. It's a bright summer day. It is late in the day. You decide to go for a walk along the beach. The sun is radiating warmth and comfort as it shines boldly. The sky is crystal clear without a cloud in sight. The grains of sand beneath your feet shine from the sunlight and warm the soles of your feet. The sound of the waves beating against the shore echoes in the air. You feel the warm, light breeze brush against your faces as you walk onward. Far off in the distance, you can hear the cries of seagulls. You watch them glide through the sky swoop down into the sea, and then fly off once again. As you walk further along the shore, you decide to rest. You sit down on a mound of pure white sand and gaze out at the sea, staring intently at the rhythmic, methodical motion of the waves rolling into the shore. Each wave breaks against the coast, rising slowly upward along the beach, leaving an area of white foam. Slowly the wave retreats back out to the sea, only to be replaced by another wave that crashes against the shore, working its way up to the beach, then slowly retreating back out to the sea. With each motion of the wave, as it glides in and then out, you find yourself feeling more and more relaxed. 
The tranquility creates a sense of calmness, peace. As you stare off into the distance, you see that the sun is beginning to sink into the horizon. The sky is turning brilliant colors of red, orange, yellow. While the sun sets, sinking down, down into the horizon, you feel very relaxed and soothed. You continue to watch the sun as it descends. The beating of the waves, the smell and taste of the sea, the salt, the cries of the gulls, the warmth against your body, all of these sights, sounds, and smells leave you feeling very calm, refreshed, and relaxed. For a moment, let yourself drift. For a moment, be aware of how deeply relaxed your mind and body feel right now. Remind yourself that you can create these feelings on your own during your daily activities. Remember that periodically during any day, you may scan your body, discover any tension you're holding, and then inhale relaxation and exhale tension and tightness. Come back to this place as often as you would like or create your own getaway. Relax, renew, recharge your mind and body. So, again, I think this is a topic that um, is very heartfelt. Um, it touches us deeply. And um, I think the, the thing about the griever that hope that we can convey today is that the griever needs to find the words, say the words, and know that the words are heard. Um, so, so the purpose of this time together is to dispel the myths about loss, grief, and healing. Turn your shattered dreams into surrendered humility. And an interesting thing is that we are taught how to acquire things in life, but we are really never taught how or what to do when we lose things in life. So this purpose of this session and time together is to basically let you know that there are tools out there, resources out there that are available to you. So my... So the, the quick overview here, uh, what is grief? Unresolved grief. What is loss? What are the timetable stages of grief? How do you know when you're incomplete as a person with loss? What is the impact of loss? Supporting someone with a loss and dealing or not dealing with grief Recovery and healing, the summary, and then resources that you can take advantage of. So my story, just to give you an idea of at age four, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. I don't know how many know about the disease, but it's a whole lot worse than you see on the television commercials. So as I grew up with this disease, I had to manage a lot of pain, deal with a lot of loss. At age 10, um, I lost my grandmother, who was my life at that point in time. Um, she, she showed me what it was truly like to love and feel loved. Um, in that same year, my parents were divorced. 
Um, I had a major health flare with my arthritis that caused me to basically because of the medications I failed fourth grade at that time and with when you fail a grade you lose all your peers all your friends who go on to the next level so that was a very difficult year obviously um, that I'm still needing to grieve for those losses Age 19, my high school year in college, or in high school, I lost my best friend to suicide. I went on by myself to college, isolated and alone. Um, in my lifetime, I've had, uh, I've been in a lot of dating and even engagements to be married, and those have been broken or lost through my, my health. I've lost so much I I can't get it on one page of paper. I mean, all the different activities that I used to do, baseball, basketball, football, tennis, volleyball, hiking. I mean, there's not le- much left I can do. So I've, I've, as I was growing up as a child, I did play all those sports. But as I've gotten older, my disease has taken a toll on my body. I've had a lot of replacement joints as you can see in the photos um, and multiple multiple surgeries and then I think the most recent loss for me was this this year or this time last year the Friday before this retreat I received a letter in the mail for a divorce and it was final and somehow God got me here last year um, and he got me through because of this grief recovery experience that we're going to talk to you today about. And I will say that I stand here today as a miracle of God. Um, but it also takes commitment to yourself. It can't be just relying on God. You've got to put, it, put the effort in. So I, uh, I hope that this is helpful and So, what is grief? Um, so, in Ecclesiastes 3, this is a kind of a good scripture for me. I kind of picked a couple of verses out of this. So, Ecclesiastes 3. I picked out verses 4 and 7. Like, 3 is actually, it talks about a time for everything, right? So, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to weep and a time to laugh. Time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to tear and a time to mend. Time to be silent and a time to speak. There are a lot of scriptures that support what we're going through when we grieve and when we have loss. Um, so grief is the normal and natural reaction to a significant emotional loss of any kind. It's also conflict, Grief is conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. It's also the feeling of reaching out for someone who's always been there, only find when you need them again, they're no longer there. So it's important to know, well, how, how do I know if I'm grieving? Well, these are some of these things were happening to me. Reduced concentration, 
I, I know for a fact that at work I was really struggling to complete a full day. Um, you have a massive loss of energy. You have a sense of numbness. Uh, this very much described me. You have a change in eating habits. And then you have a roller coaster, coaster of emotional energy. So what is loss? Well, there, there are over 40 types of loss that create grief. I think death and divorce kind of pretty significant. Most, most common understanding of a loss would be those two. Um, breakup of a dating relationship. Loss of a pet. Loss of faith. I had this loss of faith. That's a big one. And then loss of health, as I've show, shared with my own health circumstances. Changes in career. Uh, moving. You can obviously, when you move, you lose friends. Uh, changes of life space, uh, empty nesters, you lose you know, the day-to-day with your family. And then the losses that we incur as, ch- as children in childhood uh, through abuse or neglect are loss. So I think it's important in this particular moment in time to understand that you know, we hear out there, well, you may not be ready to go get help or seek help. But there's no time frames or stages of grief because each individual and their relationship and that loss is unique. So you can't categorize this into stages because each person is dealing with things in their own unique way. So it's never too soon to begin recovery. And I'd like to read that because I know it's really small on the screen. It says, time itself does not heal. It is what you do within that time. It will help you complete the pain caused by loss. That is so true. So how do we know if we're incomplete? Uh, with loss, um, if you're unwilling to talk or think or talk about someone who has died or express your feelings about any losses, um, if fond memories turn painful to the point where you are uncontrollable in, with your emotions, if you only want to talk about the positives of an experience of a loss or if you want to talk just about the negatives of a relationship, or fear have it being associated with any thoughts or feelings about a relationship. So impact of loss. This one, um, I actually have a personal experience um, that when I read this was took me all the way back to my childhood. Um says this study of 90, over 95,000 persons who lost a spouse found that the overall death rate for the surviving spouse doubled in the first week following the loss. 
And in that same study, the heart attack rates more than doubled for male survivors and tripled for women. Talking about, you know, dying of a broken heart. I mean, that happens. I saw my next door neighbor, Mr. and Mrs. Moore. Well, as a kid, I didn't like them because they told on us all the time. But they were amazing people, and a tragic accident took Mrs. Moore's life. And literally, then Mr. Moore was healthy. They were in their 80s, but they were healthy. And literally two weeks later, Mr. Moore died. And there's no doubt in my mind, this is why. So I think unresolved losses translate into a living a guarded life and a reluctance to participate fully in relationships or new endeavors. I want to repeat that because this is really, really important. Unresolved losses translates into living a guarded life and a reluctance to participate fully in relationships or new endeavors. I am living proof of that. I want to get better. I want to heal. And that's why I'm up here today. So one of the things I learned when I did this grief recovery personally for myself was the myth that I was taught as a child about grief and what, what, I, what was I supposed to do? I, you, you would hear the time heals all wounds. No. No, no, no. That does not work. Um, I've been, I'm 50 years old. I've been dealing with loss since 10 or sooner and it hasn't gotten better until I choose to do something to help myself Um, grieving alone you know they say oh go in your room you know just leave that person alone they'll be all right that is not how we heal be strong how many older brothers or sisters have been told to be strong for their younger brother or sister That's not how we grieve and become healthy. Don't feel bad. Wow. I mean, I've heard that. That's the most counterintuitive comment I've ever heard. (laughs) You know, it might be, you know, the person's suffering is over. Okay? They're suffering, but not mine. Replace the loss. This one I think we've probably all experienced. You lose a pet. Okay, we'll go get you another turtle for your aquarium. <laughs> Turtles might not be the right example, but maybe they are. But, you know, we, we, we are told to replace the loss. That's keep busy. Um, you know, if I keep busy, I won't t- have time to think about it. Well, I did that in one of my engagement breakups. And it got me through a year, but then after that, when I got unbusy, it all came back. So the one thing I, I did want to share, because I am an American and I know we're in America, but I also want to re- respect that there are different cultures. I don't know how these different cultures process grief or how they teach it or how they, but I do know I have a coworker that's Chinese and he is going to Washington, D.C. to talk to the president about how the Chinese culture 
They do not talk about their emotions. They don't talk about it. It's what they were taught growing up. And there's all sorts of depression, and I don't know if there's suicides, but there's a lot of Chinese in this country that are not doing well because of that culture. They're not getting healed. They're not completing the loss that they've had in their lifetimes. So I do want to recognize that, you know, just for us to keep in mind when we do talk to other people from different cultures, try to think in terms of, well, what may have their culture have taught them about grief. So supporting someone that you know, that you love, who's going through a loss or grieving. You know, it, we, a lot of times I've caught myself doing this. We try to we use our intellect and our spirituality to help them feel better. But although the statements could be true, they're not helpful. So, again, I repeat, every relationship is unique, and therefore every griever is unique. So we can't repeat the same thing we say for one person with the other. Do ask what happened. You know, most people will avoid this question. And then what happens? The people that are grieving are isolated. And that's not helpful. That's not healthy. Be empathetic. And if you start to tear up when they're sharing, that's totally fine. That's that's human. That's what God created us to be is connection, connecting, relationships. So dealing with grief... I want to read a scripture because I think this is really helpful. Um, Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do know, or I do, Forgetting what is behind and straying toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We have to connect with our hearts. And if our hearts are broken, that's very difficult to do. So we have to find out what is it going to take to heal, to, to fully complete your loss. And that's why we're here today. You know, what have you done with all the pain, grief, and emotions? Is it still there? If you've not, it's still there if you haven't dealt with it, right? Time doesn't heal. It does not. They will stay with you until you deal with them. But you're like a pressure cooker with all this stuff coming in, and it's about to explode. So when it's about to explode, explode, where do you go to release the pressure? What do you do? So we have these short-term emotional relieving behaviors or STURBs for you acronym folks like me. And we, you know, what kind of behaviors do you have to kind of get through an uh, emotional period of your life? There's food, 
you know, have a cookie, you'll feel better. Wow. Alcohol and drug abuse. You numb or escape the pain. Um, I've done this, both. Having access to pain medicine could be a blessing or it could be a curse. Shopping, um, you know, humorously they call it retail therapy. You're just delaying, you know, the loss, the, the pain. Isolation. Um, these are behaviors, sex and impurity. Workaholism, just get, keep busy, right? Anger. How, how many tied anger into a way to deal with emotions? Well, I did. Yeah, thanks for your honesty. <laughs> Exercise. I, I wish I could do that um, because of my physical challenges. Um, there's a small amount of exercise, but I can't do the, the stuff I used to do. But some people just go to the gym and feel like that's going to help them through it. There's fantasy and escape, movies, television, books. So these are, I'm sure you're all relating to this because I know I did. So, you know, dealing with grief, you know, what are we, you know, what are we calling it? What are we saying? Oh, I'm, I'm burnt out. You know, I'm stressed. Got personal issues. I can't read that third bullet. Thank you. So when, when you're able to acknowledge it for what it is, which is a conflicting mass of human emotion that is result of unresolved grief, grieving experience, then and only then will you be able to re- be ready to move on to the next stage of cleaning out the pressure cookie cooker. So at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Monica. Good morning. Um, first of all, I'd like to give you all a little applause here. How many of you uh, looked at that sign and said, grief? Oh, I don't want to talk about grief. Um, it's not an easy thing to want to talk about. It's not an easy thing to have to talk about. But it definitely is something that we all have. And so for that reason, I do applaud you for taking the first step, for being here, um, for recognizing it. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about um, where I'm coming from. I um, grew up in Alhambra, a very small little town. Uh, Five siblings, a mother and father, extended family. I had a great childhood. Um, We went on family vacations. We weren't rich. We weren't poor. Um, Went to Catholic school, um, had dogs and cats and um, sibling rivalry and um, all the things that you have as a child and you think of as a you know, typical um, growing up, um, great neighbors, did some crazy neighborhood childhood things, got in some trouble, um, and along the way learned um, how to deal with things in my own way. I learned um, to stuff my grief, to go in your room and cry alone, to, um, my favorite one was to have a cookie, have more than a cookie, have the whole jar of um, whatever it was out there. And uh, definitely uh, learned certain things in my life of, of how to deal with the hurts and the pains that I had. Um, I looked really good on the outside. I, I 
you know, graduated from high school, went to UCI, um, had a pretty picture on the outside, looked like I had it all together. And I, I did to a certain degree, but certainly had some crazy misconceptions of how to deal with some of the hurts and the pains in my life. Um, I went to college at UCI, uh, met my, um, my husband there, married, had um, four children, um, and stepped into an, a different crazy life. Um, definitely um, was not the marriage that I thought that my parents had, was not the um, family life that I, uh, you know, the fairy tale, and, and they lived happily ever after. Um, I live with a very um, verbally abusive man um, who I love dearly, um, and I chose to stick it out because I believed that it was a good thing for my children. My parents never fought in front of us. They always kind of hid and fought, and so I believed that I needed to do the same thing. So a lot of the hurts and the pains that I dealt with in my married life, I stuffed them in there, and I kept stuffing them. Don't rock the boat. Don't say anything. Everything will be good, and one day you're going to have this amazing 50-year wedding anniversary, and life will be grand. So I kept thinking that's going to happen, that's going to happen. And so um, I was married for 23 years um, through the, you know, the, the verbal abuse, for, through the infidelity, um, through the financial crisis, because I always tease that I was married to the black hole. He just kind of sucked money in, and uh, it was very interesting. Um, and so it took a lot of losses, a lot of bad things happening all around the same time for me to say, gosh, I need God. Um, I, you know, was going through one of his um, infidelity periods, um, crisis with our kids growing up, um, suffering. Um, I had some medical issues that I had to have surgery, and um, my dad was dying of cancer. Um, I was changing jobs. So that whole list of 40 things, I was doing it all, all at the same time. And none of it seemed very positive. Um, and so um, when I hit rock bottom, I was like, I need something. What do I need? And somebody reached out to me, gratefully, and um, I needed God. And so I studied the Bible. I fought with the person I studied with. I studied hard. And um, gosh, I, I knew that concordance thing, man. I was flipping pages trying to rationalize. But, um, you know, through God's love and his mercy, um, I was baptized. And I remember the day I was baptized. Um, I went out to the ocean, and I put my sin list in my pocket, and I went into the ocean. And, and when I went into the ocean with the belief that Jesus Christ had died for my sins and I was being saved. My soul was going to be wiped clean. I was salvation. Jumped into the water and I felt like I had been, I felt like the, it was shallow water. I'm not shallow, but, you know, in the ocean there and I waded out. But I felt like I was in the depths of the deep blue sea and that I was in there for an hour and I was just swimming around. And um, I just burst out sobbing and just all that pent-up emotion, all those sorrows, all that pain, all that hurt, I just felt like it was gone. It was done. I was over it. And I was like, yay, I get to live the life of a disciple. I'm on the cruise ship. Nothing wrong will ever happen again. I'm going to live in joyous laughter. Yeah, I was like, yay, yoo-hoo. And, um, and it was. It was great. You know, my daughter was discipled a week, uh, was baptized a week before I was. And um, she was a lot of the inspiration for why I became a disciple. Well, 
part of it, you know, pushed me a little more than um, I was ready to be pushed at the time. So it was cool. I mean, I had this amazing relationship with my daughter that I thought I would never have. Um, Things looked like they were going really good, and they were, um, because every time something bad happened, I would go back to it. But I'm a disciple, and Jesus Christ has died for my sin, and I'm saved, and one day I will go to heaven. But all along, even though I had released all that pent-up emotion, all that grief that I had stuffed inside, I had released it as, as I became, I believe as I became this, um, a disciple, as my soul was saved, I let go of all that stuff. But now all of a sudden I'm pushing it down and pushing it down. And, you know, it was, you know, low. Now it's coming up higher and I can't get it down anymore. And it was like... What am, I, what am I doing or what am I not doing that why can't I get back to? We talk about going back to our first love. Why can't I get back there? That feeling of, of complete um, release, of not having anything left to be grievous over. Why can't I get back there? And um, I always remember when I was a kid growing up, my dad and my brother went to teach me how to drive stick shift. And so they put me in a big empty lot and there was one tree. And they said... <laughs> Yeah, and my dad said, I'm not getting in the car with you, but your brother is. My brother's younger than I am. So he says, go for it. Do it. Just don't hit the tree. So I'm driving along, and yeah, I hit the tree. And uh, my brother's like, I am never getting in a car with you. And anyways, eventually learned to drive. But I felt like that as a disciple. I was, you know, circling. I was doing all the things as a disciple that I was supposed to be doing. I was... Um, in the word, I was um, praying, I was fellowshipping, I was leading a Bible talk, I was all of it, but I kept hitting the same rock. I was doing the same things that I was doing before, and so my grief started rising again, and I pressure cooker did. And again, I was, uh, um, I, you know, I ate the cookies, I ate the ice cream, that's how I dealt with my grief, and also I overexercised. So as a, before I became a disciple, I did about 10 marathons. After I became a disciple, I did maybe about four marathons, a couple of centuries on my bike, three, four Olympic distance triathlons, all to deal with my grief. I mean, it's great. It's amazing. I'd have all these crazy accomplishments, but why was I doing all of that? Because I didn't know how to deal with the grief that I had. And I felt bad because I know that... Um, as a Christian and as a disciple, showing my gratitude that I'm saved, you know, through Jesus' blood, I need to, it's kind of like that happy, happy, joy, joy. Don't say you're sad. Don't say you're hurt because then they'll think you're a bad disciple. Um, put on a pretty face. Look good. Woohoo, I got it all together. But my grief was just, I was just stacking it in. And, and definitely as disciples, we continue to have losses. We continue to have some of them good lives. Becoming a disciple is a loss. It's a complete change in life. I didn't live this kind of life before I became a disciple, and, and, and it's a good change, but it certainly is a different change. Um, my daughter becoming Christian was a good change, but it, it was a big change. My daughter got married to an amazing man of God, um, and, and her and her husband lead the church in Long Beach. It was a great thing, but it was still a loss for me. I lost my daughter. Change in life. You know, my children leaving home. So grateful that they left home. <laughs> but it certainly was a change in life. I've, I've changed jobs. I, my jobs have gotten bigger and better and more and, and more amazing. And, and it's a good thing, but it's still a change and, and something that I've had to deal with. So 
somebody came to me and said, um, hey, I want, I want you to take this class. I'm like, I don't need grief recovery. I got it all good. It's stuffed down really tight. And they're like, well, have you had any of these losses? Um, let me look. And as I go through again, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have, oh, my gosh. So as I'm hitting the 40, I was like, oh, gosh, maybe I need to do something. And, and I finally did go to grief recovery. And, um, again, same thing. I really kind of had to be dragged there, um, had to be convinced to go there. And as I, I just kind of um, opened up and looked what they were asking me to do, um, the, the first thing that, you know, they pointed out was that um, it's cumulative for me. You know, it's cumulative. It isn't just that one loss. It's accumulation of things over time. So maybe, yeah, I had let go of the stuff as, as a, as a, before I was become a disciple but afterwards all that stuff recognized all that stuff I was stuffing down so um, that definitely helped me to see the need for it one of the big things that was a changer for me also was when they said that you need to do a loss history graph you need to start at the dawn of consciousness the first memory you have and go and graph the things that you remember that were hurtful and painful to you Um, and so I did, and um, there, there were some crazy things in there, you know, definitely my divorce, the loss of my dad. But as a child, one of the things that I remember was this crazy potato salad. And it, I, I'm going to tell you this because I did this as a disciple too. There was an incident that happened when I was 10 years old with my sister. Potato salad on the counter, and, and we were both walking through, and, and she dumped it on the floor. And she pointed to me. And, and because of just the, the way we were, or, you know, just how it was, my mother blamed it on me right away. And I stuck that potato salad in my heart, and it was there forever. And finally, when I did this loss, and so, so what I learned from that potato salad is that I am responsible for everything. Anything that bad ever happens, it's my response. I did it. You know, the, there was an earthquake. Oh, my gosh, that was my fault because I did whatever there's you know the water shortage oh that's my fault because I overwatered my lawn everything is my fault right when my kids do something horrible that's my fault when they do something good it's great but so that's one of the things that I learned and as a disciple how it continues like that person fell away because I wasn't loving enough everything was my fault so you know, recognizing this potato salad story, and it's kind of funny. I was talking to my sister and my mother one day, and I just mentioned it. You know, I just kind of want to see what they thought. And they're like, what potato salad? We don't really. I spent my whole, I think, 25 years of my life just sticking on this potato salad. So it's interesting that the things that we have in our heart that we don't know how to bring out, how much it affects the life that we live now. And if we don't recognize, if we don't see it, if we don't discover it, how do we know? So going through this lost history graph that I did in grief recovery um, had definitely opened my eyes and, and, and just amazed me at um, where my trees in the middle of the empty lot were. Um, I discovered a whole lot of them. The, the, the grief recovery um, also talks about doing this with your relationships, um, how, your, how you lived your, your life before and these, these trees that you have that are blocks for you, how you bring these into your relationships and how these loss of relationships continue to add on to your grief. Um, so I did, uh, you know, a lost history graph. I did a relationship graph. And once I did my relationship graphs, 
I had to learn um, that in every relationship, I had some responsibility for it, which was very difficult. He did this to me. They did that to me. You know, my sister dropped the potato salad on the floor. My mother blamed me. But what responsibility did I have in it? And so when I did these letters of completion to these people that um, I had these hurts and pains with, it was an opportunity for me to say the things that I needed to say, to have these things acknowledged by the, by the person that I was reading it. Not that the person that I was reading it who said, oh, yeah, that's right, okay, you're good, but just that they listened to me, that people heard the things that I had to say. And it definitely helped me um, complete um, this stuff that I had inside. And that's what grief recovery is about. Um, again, it's not about a story that we have to stick to. It's not about, um, you know, hey, this is my hurts and pains and they're bigger than your hurts and pains. But it's about sharing with each other in a, in a, a way that we can relieve some of this stress and recognize it in ourselves and maybe not, maybe not ever go there again. Um, definitely, you know, I... I've taken the class once, and I've taught the class many, many times. I still have these trees in my, part, in my empty lot. But I think what grief recovery has taught me is um, it has taught me how to live in the present. It has taught me how to live now and not what happened yesterday and not what could happen tomorrow, but what's happening right now. Um, it's taught me to take responsibility for my own emotions it's taught me that um, emotions are an okay thing. God made us to feel, right? We're created in his likeness and image. We feel, we have emotions. God grieved. It says in the Bible, God grieved. Isn't that crazy? Jesus wept. Emotions and feelings. So I learned that emotions and feelings are good things. Um, taking responsibility even more. And, a, and a, a really, really important part of grief is learning to forgive. Not to forget all the time, but to forgive. Not that what I went through was not valid. Sharing my emotions wasn't, wasn't, didn't happen or wasn't meaningful, but that I need to, I need to let go. Um, the Bible talks about it in Matthew uh, 6.15, about forgiveness. If I don't forgive, God's not going to forgive me. I want to go to heaven. I'm going to forgive. But I need to take my emotions there. And so learning how to forgive this thing that happened and not letting though this thing that happened carry on to everything I do in the rest of my life. So um, thank you for sharing, and I'll give it back thank to you. David. Awesome. So I, this, I don't know if you can read this, but I do want to, want to get this message out because grief is not a disorder a disease, or a sign of weakness. It's an emotional, physical, and spiritual necessity. It's the price you pay for love. The only cure for grief is to grieve. That's so important. And there's a scripture. Let's see if I can pull it up on a... Because I think it's... For me, I wanted to communicate this because with all my health, and all the stuff that I've been through. This scripture is huge for me. It's kind of transformed me. So 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in, on me. So when we think about grief, you know, it's just a weak period in our lives with my health. I've always thought of myself as a, I mean, this is a terrible word, but I always thought of myself as a defective person. And when I read this scripture and had the experience of reading this, it was transformed the way I felt about myself. So God is made powerful in our weakness because we're able to do things um, that we never thought we could do. So the um, this is another little picture, and I apologize for some of the text is not... I don't do these presentations, not with this size of a room, so um, some of the size of the t- text, it's my fault. Um, so this says, unresolved grief is almost always about undelivered communication of an emotional nature. So Monica was talking about what she, f- what came out when she did her lost history graph. Well, that's the first step, but then you have to communicate it. And this whole recovery workshop, this grief recovery workshop, helps you do that. And another scripture here says, Jeremiah 29:11, and I know a lot of these are common, but this one also had an impact on me. For I, knew the, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that's why you're here right now in this room. So what can you do to kind of take the next step? So this, Monica. So I'm actually a student. What do you call it? I'm a griever in training is <laughs> what I am. And Monica is actually taught. She's just trained and taught this course. And it is incredibly, well, let me just give you another testimonial. For me, in my lifetime in relationships, every time a relationship broke off, and it could not even, it could be just a dating relationship, I would have to sever that, like never talk to that person again, because I, I just couldn't overcome the emotion. And with my divorce, I'm here standing before you saying that I have a friendship with my, li- my former wife wow. because of this workshop. I am blown away. I never thought that I could be a friend with someone I cared so deeply about. I I just thought it would be too painful. But because I completed that loss through this process, I'm here to, to say it works. And I think, I hope that we've planted a seed. There's information, um, I don't know if you can read this. <laughs> Again, it's terrible says just for the website and then Monica she actually is teaching there's going to be a fall session in Orange County we don't have the date yet I will also be part of that so the website is uh, www.griefrecoverymethod.com www.griefrecoverymethod all one word .com there's actually a free guide uh, for loss there's an ebook so if you want to go on to that and there's a PDF, a free ebook on, on the site, 
Um, you get a, there's a 20th edition handbook or book that's actually also helpful. And I'll let Monica say a few words and then we'll finish up here. Um, Okay, so we're like, I am not um, an employee of the Grief Recovery Institute, just so you know, but um, found something that works, Um, found something that definitely is uh, life-changing. So this this is the handbook. This is the institute. You you can do it on your own. The book will show you how to do it on your own um, if you feel you need to, but I'm going to just tell you from my experience that being in a group, being in a, um, in a safe environment with other people who are trying to resolve the same things that you are is definitely um, healing. Okay, so if, um, again, you know, Dave is a, a recovering griever, <laughs> like we all are. Um, I, I have taught the class to women before, but we're really excited that we will be able to bring that class to men and women in the fall in Orange County. So um, we'll definitely, yes. Woohoo! So check with your leaders, and there is in Long Beach also. Yeah. So there are resources. Um, it's definitely not just for disciples. Um, disciples aren't the only ones. Yeah, but. and I took mine in Torrance. So there's, if you go to this website, you'll see they'll, they'll, they'll allow you to type in your zip code, and you can find a, a workshop near you. I do want to say I have a hard copy of these e-books, about 20. I don't have 200. So <laughs> if you do want a copy, come and grab one. And, I think we're, done. and we're finished. Thank, Thank you. you. You've just listened to audio from the Catalyst Conference. For more information about Catalyst, please visit catalystretreat.com.